0: You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org.
1: So let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, I want to thank you that you have purpose for our lives, that you call us, that you love us, that you care for us, and that you designed us for such days as this. Jesus, today would you open our eyes to the things you want? We pray your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts. As we walk through your word and through this message this morning, we give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been walking through this series, and you realize, first of all, that you're called. There are five callings on your life. First of all, you're called to be loved. That the first calling on your life is simply to let God love you. How refreshing is that? Like, your purpose here today, this morning, right now, is would you just relax a little bit and let God love you? Second calling that he puts on your life, second purpose for your life is that you and I belong. Because we're loved, we can now belong to the body of Christ, to his forever kingdom, that we can love him and know him and serve him all the days of our lives, but that we spend eternity in heaven with God. There's no more sin. There's no more tension of life, that we belong to his family. But before we get there, we spend time with this family here on earth. We are called to be the brothers and sisters of Christ. We're called to be his hands and feet, to live out his purposes in our world. Not only that, then we're called to become, that God loves you too much to leave you where you are. So right now, wherever you are, God loves you so much, he wants you to grow beyond that. He doesn't want you to get a certain place and plateau. He doesn't want you to backslide. He wants you to basically say, I love you so much, but because my love is true and pure and holy and constant, I love you too much just to leave you where you are. And so God will spend much of the time of our lives Helping us become more and more like the image of Christ, that we reflect more and more who He is. And then today, we're gonna to talk that you are called to bless. You say, What is blessed? It's not what you say when someone sneezes. Uh, that's what, uh, it's not really a, a great thing. It's kind of just acknowledging their sneeze. The truth is, blessing means to serve, to minister. Blessing means that because we have been so blessed by God that his love has been lavished on us, that Christ sacrificed himself on the cross, because we've received salvation, because we can have a right relationship, a right standing with God, we've been given salvation, that now we have been given the charge. As we have received a blessing, to be a blessing to others. And so we say, we've talked about these five purposes. So today you're going to take your outline out. You want to take that out of your program, get your notes ready to go. We're going to, we're going to wire through this here today a little bit together. And you ask the question, how do I bless others? And the, question, the answer is by serving a need. How do I bless others? It's simply by serving a need, it might be physical assistance, you help somebody move. That's a blessing to others. How many of you have ever had to move and the people who said they would help you move kind of didn't show, right? You know it's a blessing when they show up and you got to move, right? Because you get some help. It might be physical assistance. It might be emotional support. that when you were in the dark night of the soul... That you had people who were there for you. Your circle was around you. You had people who did life together with you that you belonged with. and, And that was a gift. You gave the gift of listening to somebody. You were emotional support. Maybe at a certain time in their life, you were financial help to somebody or to some ministry. And you were a blessing to them by finances. Maybe for you, it's just practical advice. People just needed some help, and you gave practical, a timely word, the right advice, and it was practical, and it was such a blessing to people because they got exactly what they needed at the right time. You may not have even thought it was such a great statement, but God's Spirit helped it resonate in their heart in such a way that it was the right word at the right time. It's what Jesus described as whenever you do these things to people, especially to the brothers and sisters of God's house, it's like giving a cold cup of water to jesus himself god doesn't forget he remembers he watches and so we bless others by doing what by serving serving them so the fourth purpose of my life is that god shaped me to serve him he shaped me to serve him life is prepped for heaven we're going to worship together in heaven we're going to fellowship. That means we have relationship with each other in heaven. We're going to grow together in heaven. We're going to serve God together in heaven. It's not just a big sing-fest in heaven. It is There will be singing. There will be worship. But we will continue to serve. We will continue to exert authority. We will have leadership roles. And God will want us to carry out his purposes throughout eternity. And so life on earth is really prep for what we'll be doing in heaven. God's got a purpose for your now. Because he's got a plan for your then. And you want to catch it. This week's memory verse. Let's read this aloud together. We'll put it up on the screen. Is Ephesians 2.10. says this. For we are God's workmanship. Read aloud with me. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another word for serving is or for blessing is to serve or it's to minister. People think they they hear the word minister and they think that is like a clergy officiating a wedding or a funeral or something like that. The word minister, you know what it really means? To serve. Just to help. That's what it means. So I'll use my gifts to help. You're going to use your gifts to help other people. We're all going to be ministers together. It's really what it means. It means to minister, to be a blessing to somebody, is serving them. It just means ministry. You were made for ministry. We're going to practice that for eternity. Do you realize you're going to do ministry for eternity, for all time, that we're going to serve our king. We're going to serve the Lord God. It's going to be awesome. And what that talks about in Ephesians 2.10 is that we were created to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do, but you were created, you were God's workmanship, you were crafted, you're unique, you were formed in such a way, and what I want to do today is just help you with a couple ways to identify your shape. Now usually when we talk about your shape, people think of their body shape, right? And they think of what kind of body shape are they, and they think of that, but that's not what we're talking about today, we're talking about what is your shape for helping what is your shape for blessing what is your shape for serving and so what i want you to do is not on your outline but i want you to write the letters s-h-a-p-e vertically because we've got an acronym that goes with it and i'll help you understand what it means the s stands for spiritual gift when you accept christ into your heart, you say yes to Jesus. At that moment, God's Holy Spirit fills you, and you are given a spiritual gift. This is not a gift you had before. It's a new gift. It's a gift that God gives you that you and I are to use to serve him. He will give you a special, unique gift that is yours from God's Holy Spirit. It's not from another person. It's not from another sort of blessing. It only is from God's Holy Spirit at this moment of salvation. And you might be an encourager. You might have discernment. You might have teaching gifts. You might be great at helping. You might have a strong faith. You might be administrative that suddenly you, you could administer these gifts. Suddenly you might have wisdom, that God just gives you wisdom in regard to the word, and in regard to life. He gives you some languages. He gives knowledge. He gives guidance. For others, he might use you in a moment where he operates healing through you. For others, maybe even miracles. But the point is God's Holy Spirit gives you a gift that you and I are to use. It's part of your shape. That's what S stands for. The H is your heart. See, our hearts are different. You care about things that I don't care about, and I care about some things you don't care about. It's what makes us different. And sometimes we find that some of those things make us similar because we like the same stuff. You want to ask, what makes you mad, sad, or glad? Like, what do you get all excited about? What do you get passionate about? What do you think we should all fix in the world? And you look at these things and you say, What is it that I'm supposed to do? That's your heart. God gives you a unique passion, a unique heart. He also gives you and I abilities. Now, there are natural abilities that you just have. You you didn't work for them. You're just good at them. You don't know why you're good. If you're ambidextrous, that's a natural ability. You didn't try to be ambidextrous. You didn't have parents who forced you to use your left hand and right hand the same. You just could use them both really good, and that's just the way it's a natural ability. But you also have some other abilities that are learned that you worked really hard to get. Maybe you play an instrument. Maybe you have learned to do sign language. Maybe you have done all sorts of things. There are natural abilities, whether you learned them on the workplace or while you were growing up, or it was a learned discipline. You've got different abilities. It's the A. It's abilities. And God wants you to use those. Then we have your personality. And this is where it's beautiful, because some people think, I, in order to do a certain gift, i got to have the right personality. And the truth is, God wired your personality with the rest of your gift mix. Some of you are like, well, I'm really introverted, and I'm really kind of quiet, and like behind the scenes. God knows that. God actually wired your personality that way, along with your spiritual gift, your abilities, your heart, and the last one we'll talk about. He's wired all that together, so that the work that he prepared in advance for you to do, is going to be done through your personality. Now those of you are loud and boisterous, and you never met a stranger, and you become friends with everybody... And you know what? God will use that. And sometimes it can be obnoxious, but God will use it, right? And God's going to say, that's part of your shape. The way that I've made you, crafted you, I'm making you to do what only you can do. So he does that. The last one is your experiences. Your experiences. The good ones, the bad ones, and the downright ugly ones. See, what happens is people think they come to a church and they got to hide their experiences. I'm only going to share the good ones. No, God wants to say, I want to redeem your bad ones. And you know those downright ugly ones, the brutal ones, the abusive ones, the hard ones, the ones that make no sense to your head? You know those awful experiences you just tried to move beyond? Whether they were on the battlefield of war, the battlefield of life, or the battlefield in your home? Whether you were collateral damage to that thing, God says, I want to use that. I want to redeem it. I never waste a hurt. I never waste an experience. Even if your experience was sin, I don't waste your experience. How about that? God not only redeems us for salvation, but that God can redeem even our sin, our bad experiences, for His good. How does that work? What kind of God is that, right? It's awesome. He loves us so much. That's your shape. And what I want to identify is that nobody else has the same mix of all five of those things but you. So when God says, I've created good works in advance for you to do, that I've crafted you, you are my workmanship. I've created these things for you. He had all that in mind. He cares for you. He knows exactly what he wants you to do that only you can do. So I want to give you your life calling. A lot of people talk about life calling, but I want to give you your actual life calling for everyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ. Here's the blanket life calling for all of us. Write this down. Your life calling is to be a bivocational minister of Jesus. A bivocational minister of Jesus. Some of you in this room, you might have bifocals. And depending on what part of the glasses you look at, you look down, you can see close things clear. You look far, you can see uh, far things clear. But uh, if you took them off, you probably couldn't see either real well, right? But you can see two things clearly, not just one. That's the beauty of it. It's bivocation, it's bifocal. You can see two ways clearly. And, and so here's how we're going to see life and its experiences through two filters. The first one is this. No matter what I do, I do it for two reasons. The first one is to meet needs. And the second one is to honor God. So what things are we going to see clearly? You might want to write this down. Meet needs and honor God. Those are the two things. So first is to meet needs. Second is to honor God. So listen, so whether you're a truck driver, you're an attorney or a janitor or you work in hospice or you're an accountant or a homemaker or a teacher, uh, maybe you're a deal maker, or you're a stockbroker, maybe you are a farmer. Some of you in this room are farmers. It doesn't matter what you are. If you're a Christian, You do what you do for two reasons. To help others through your profession, obviously, and also to honor God. But it goes beyond that. It's not just your profession. As a Christian, it's what we do. We're a blessing to other people for two reasons. To help meet needs and to honor God. Those are our two motivations. Colossians 3.17 says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it what? All. Do it all. All. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It says, whatever you do, that covers a lot of stuff, doesn't it? What, what, there's a lot of whatever's that you do. When you get up in the morning, you have a routine of whatever you do, right? But you have a lot of things that are whatever you do, do it all in a way that can be a ministry. Do it all the meet needs, do it all to bring honor to God. So it can be a blessing and it can be a help to others. So whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Like I can take out the garbage to the honor of God and it will meet needs, won't it? Uh, Last week, uh, about a week ago at my circle, I'm holding a baby. His name is Memphis and I'm holding this bottle and Memphis and I are bonding. I have not held a bottle and a baby in a long time, like just, you know, because my kids are like grown, right? So I'm just snuggled up on my own couch at our house, at our circle, and our group is there, and, and I've got the bottle in Memphis and now. We're making eye contact. We're bonding. We're friends, right? What am I doing? I mean, the, you know, the mom and dad, they do this every day, multiple times a day. I'm helping out. I'm meeting a need. And I'm being a blessing to others. I can do that to the honor of God. You could do that kind of thing to the honor of God. You could help somebody across the street. You can make a deal to the honor of God. You can do everything in your life. Whatever you do, you can do it. If you help others and you honor God, you can do that. So this is how you and I as a believer take very menial tasks and make them meaningful tasks. Right? If you have kids... You know that laundry at times can feel like a menial task, but how can you take laundry and make it a meaningful task? Well, you can do it if you're helpful to others and you do it to the glory of God. My wife likes to say that sometimes when she's doing laundry, she's folding laundry. She prays for our kids as she's folding those clothes. What's she doing? She simply is saying, "I'm meeting a need, but I'm also doing it to the honor of God." She can take a meaningful, ta- a menial task and make it a meaningful task. So let's say you're in the office, and you have a meeting with a bunch of people, and all of a sudden, at the end of the meeting, everybody stands up, everybody rushes out, but on the table, you notice there's a bunch of cups, there's a bunch of trash or stuff, and, and, and everybody just thinks, they assume, that's somebody else's job. Somebody else is going to come in through and clean it up. It's kind of like when you're in the you know, the parking lot, and uh, you get done with your cart, and the place to return the cart's way over there, and you're here, and it's just easier to prop it up on the curb, Right? That's just somebody, somebody's going to come get it. Somebody else is going to do it. We just think it's all right. But it's like you get done with this meeting. There's stuff all over the table. Well, you could, to the honor of God, just start collecting that stuff. Grab it all up, clean it all up, put it in the trash can. Nobody's asking you to do it. Maybe nobody even sees you do it. But you do it to help others and show honor to God. I'll tell you what. You do that to the honor of God, and God will reward you for it. God can help us take very menial tasks and make them meaningful tasks. Here's a fact. The calling to salvation is a call to serve, to volunteer. So I want you to understand that. That we're not just called to come and be saved, that God, you give us this salvation that it comes into our life, but that we're called to give out because we've been so richly blessed, we're called to be a blessing in what we do, to meet needs and to help other people. So that's what we do. Whatever it is, we say, God, you've so richly blessed me. I'm going to help others, and I'm going to do it to the honor and the glory of God. Because my calling to salvation is actually a call to serve. Everybody's called to ministry. If you want to know who the ministers are in this room, look at your driver's license. It'll tell you, right? People ask you, oh, how many pastors does your church, how many ministers does your church have? You tell them, about a thousand, about a thousand ministers a weekend, they'll flip out. They'll go, what? They will not have any idea. But the truth is, we're all ministers that we are called. God has uniquely wired you. He's uniquely shaped you to bring to the table what only you can bring in service for his kingdom. So Sun Grove has lots of ministries that are actually led by members and created by members. In fact, I got an email not long ago that the person was just overwhelmed by the needs in our world after watching the news. And just, you know, why doesn't the church help with this? And why didn't, so she wrote me an email. Why don't we do something about this or something about that? And and I began to think through uh, what we do. And I'm not talking about India. I'm not talking about Guatemala. I'm not talking about across the whole world. I literally thought just in the Sacramento region, what does Sun Grove Church do? And and I realized quickly, I, I don't know. All of what we do. You know why I know that you don't know all of what we do? Because I don't, and I'm the pastor. And a lot of these ministries are being led and, and functioning by people in our church. It's not up to staff and everybody else. They're, just, they're being ministered. So here's what is awesome, because I was able to write back in that email and basically say this. I was really happy to inform that person that our local, uh, kind of Sacramento region outreach ministries, that she had listed a bunch of things. Why don't we do things about this, this, this? And so I started listing what our local outreaches address what problems they solve and you may not know that we have a foothold in all of these areas listen up and there's probably more that i don't even know but we do address the issue of fatherlessness in our region we do address the issue of foster care of immigration help of sex trafficking and of shoes for kids in Title I schools. You know about that. We do homeless care through our winter sanctuary. We have youth mentors for elementary age kids. We have youth outreach for at-risk teenagers in our area, middle school and high school in our area. We've got care for special needs families and many, many more ministries, and some I've mentioned up here before and some I forget right now, but there are tons. In other words, you can be proud to be the church because the church that you are and we are together is making a difference here in the Sacramento region and in greater Elk Grove. Will you give it up for that? Be proud of your church. That's good stuff. Every member who uses their shape to meet needs, legitimate needs, and to honor God is, does it in a way that is just beautiful. And what I want you to know is this. You couldn't do any of all of those things yourself. But together, as a body, and that's why Christ calls us to function as a body, to belong as one of the callings in our life, is that together we fulfill his purposes to the very real needs in our world. It's beautiful. So what will happen? What's going to happen to you? What's going to happen in your life if you use your life to serve and bless others? I'm going to talk about four benefits. If you use your life to actually authentically serve and bless others, what's going to happen to you? Let me tell you. Number one, if you serve others unselfishly, number one, it will create joy in your life. It will create joy in your life. Most people are looking for happiness in all the wrong places, right? Possessions, position, passions, maybe your pleasures, maybe your popularity. You're not going to find happiness joy in your status you're not going to find joy in your salary you're not going to find joy in sex but you will create joy through the weirdest thing it's called service when you are helpful in meeting needs to, to meet actual needs and do it to the honor of God you increase your joy factor let me give you two secrets of joy first a on your outline get the focus off yourself get the focus off myself See, our whole society, our whole world is obsessed with self. It's so countercultural that the more that you give your life away, the more joy that your life has. It's totally different, right? You're exhausted. Oh, I can't wait for the weekend. And you you go, and I'm going to do nothing this whole weekend. So you do nothing this whole weekend, and you get done at the end of your weekend. You go back to work, and if all you're doing nothing the weekend, just served yourself, you feel a little empty going back to work. what's wrong? I should feel recharged. I should feel filled up. I'm not saying don't relax. What I'm saying is, when it becomes all about self, there's something that's empty about that. And God wants us to be full. He wants our joy to increase. We want to fo- stop focusing inward and start focusing outward. Philippians 2.17 says this. Paul is writing, he says, but even, speaking about his own life, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. See, they were fully aware of the hardships, the costs that Paul had paid in his life to even help launch that church in Philippi. And as he's writing them now, his life hasn't gotten easier. And, but as he's writing now, he's saying, listen, I want to give you a very Jewish picture that in the Passover, there's one of the cups, the fifth cup that you typically take, it's called the Elijah cup, and they pour it out. Because they're waiting for the Messiah to come. Jesus, on the, on the, uh, when he hung on the cross, said, "You know, Lord, is there any other way for this cup to pass from me? In other words, he's the messianic fulfillment of that fifth cup. He's saying, let that be done. But if not, I'll take it. And he's saying, just like Christ's body was poured out, just like his life is being poured out for their benefit, what happens? He begins to rejoice. And that's a good, good thing. Helpful people... Are the happiest people. Helpful people are the happiest people. almost seems counterintuitive, right? That when you're helpful, when you're outward focused to others, what happens on the inside? You actually get happier. You actually have joy be- becoming on the inside. God wired the universe in this way so that the more unselfish you are, the more joy you have on the inside. Philippians 4, 4-5 through 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. What happens? He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The word gentleness there, there is actually attached to the word kindness. And what happens is he's talking about a character quality. He's not saying just your acts of kindness. But how do you let an internal quality like gentleness or kindness, how do you let an internal quality show? By an external action. It's a character quality first, but it begins to work its way out. And so he says, what, what happens? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. What's an outward expression of that? Joy that's on the inside. It's helping others, letting your gentleness be evident to all. Let me ask you, how is your joy gauge currently? Have you lost your smile? Are you struggling with different people in your life? Why different people and events and things aren't working out? Is your frustration level building? Is your stress level building? How's your joy gauge right now? Are you weary? Philippians 2.4 in the message version says this, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. <laughs> Isn't that true, right? If you lack joy in your life, start serving. So the first thing is we've got to get the focus on myself. The second thing about joy is this. I use my gifts to help others. I want to use my gifts to help others. You want to get to a place where as you're serving, there's something that happens on the inside of you, and it says this. I was made to do this. I was made for this role. Have you ever watched the Oscars? And sometimes when they accept their, their Oscar award, they hold it, and they, you just get this impression that that person, that actor or actress, that they were just made to do what they are doing. And I want you to know that God has listed some things. God has created some work that he wants you to do, that he has made so that you say, I was made for this. He wants you to play that role that you were made for. First Peter 4.10 Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Right? So we're blessed to be a blessing and we bless others by using our, our skills to serve or to volunteer. So, number two on your outline Serving others unselfishly will improve my relationships. Seriously? Like if I serve other people, it will improve my relationship? Yes. Absolutely. Self-centeredness is the root of all relational problems. If a husband and wife are struggling, it's typically because one or both of them are feeling pretty self-centered. And so they're looking at what the other one is or isn't doing, right? If you're arguing with somebody, you're in comparison with somebody at work, and and a lot of times it's your self-centeredness that is in comparison to what they're doing that is going to be the root of a relational problem. So listen, the more that you and I practice unselfishness, the better your relationships will be. It's really better for everybody. It benefits everybody. If your relationships get better, that's good for everybody. Not just you, but them. Life is the lifelong task of learning to be unselfish. I just think you and I are by nature selfish. So life is going to be a growing process for you and for me of becoming more and more unselfish. And sometimes when we're really selfish, we're a little too close. We can't even see it. Sometimes it's somebody else in our life who says, you know what? You're being really selfish. Or they point out your selfishness. Or they make a snide comment or a cynical remark. And then we get mad, right? But you look and go, I am really selfish. I mean, by the way, if you don't think you're selfish, get married. <laughs> and then if you don't think you're selfish, have kids. Because <laughs> at that point, Right. You learn just how big a jerk you can be. But if all you have to care about is yourself, then you think you're pretty good. The truth is, we're going to spend all of life learning to become more and more unselfish. Well, how do I learn it? Like, I got to learn how to become unselfish. How do I learn it? Well, we model Christ. We follow Jesus. We do what Jesus would do. Jesus had the most unselfish life. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, it says this Just as the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is actually Jesus speaking of himself. He's saying, I came not to be served, but I came here. It was, listen to this, it was like it was his joy to serve out of the pure and perfect holy love of God it was his joy to serve but his service was sacrificial what a beautiful thing the most unselfish life ever there are two benefits if you learn to become like Jesus then one of the benefits is you actually do become more like Jesus the second is you get respected by others Because people begin to love, they're they're like, you shouldn't have to serve me, but that you would do that just helpful thing, or you would meet that need, or you would give a gift of listening, or anything like that. We, We are attracted and drawn to somebody who serves. But we live in a world that says, fight for your own, be proud, don't show your weakness. And God says, that's not how I created the universe to work. Romans 14, 18 says, Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Right? You get respected by others. So if you're going to serve Christ in this way, one of the benefits is people will respect you more. So here's the cool part. The more that I bless and serve others, the more I get blessed. Proverbs 11.25 says a generous person will prosper, but whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So if you're, if you're generous, if, you, if you're going to bless and refresh others, guess what the benefit is to you? You become refreshed. Some people say, well, I don't have any time to volunteer for anything. I'm too busy. I don't have time to volunteer. I don't have time to serve. Well, I want to tell you something. Then listen, what you're actually saying is, then I forfeit God's blessing on my career or my family or my own personal joy. If you're saying, I'm too busy, I don't have bu- I'm way too busy to do this, then you're literally saying, I'm going to forfeit the blessing that God says will happen in the rest of my life. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, As a principle, those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. And Proverbs 22, 9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. That you are blessed To be a blessing. That's a good thing. If you want better relationships in your life, start serving. If you don't know how to break the ice between you and another person, start serving them. If there's friction in your relationships, start serving the other person. And after you do that for a while, they'll realize you're serving them not for what you can get, but for who they are. And it will improve the relationships in your life. Number three, serving others unselfishly will make my life meaningful. See, meaning comes from living for something greater than myself. People think That meaning comes from living for doing for yourself. But the reality is meaning comes from living for something beyond yourself, greater than yourself, bigger than yourself. That's where ultimate significance, ultimate meaning comes from. Mark 8.35, Jesus says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. It's just a beautiful picture. God's saying, listen, if you try to hold on to your life, if you try to make it all about you, at the end, you and I go to the same place, we lose it anyway, don't we? But in a beautiful picture, he's saying, whoever loses their life for me, that's an ongoing process, isn't it? That I deny myself, I take up my cross, and I follow Jesus. So in other words, I deny myself, I say no to me, and I begin to learn to become more and more unselfish. I follow Jesus' example. That's going to be a lifelong process. That's why God loves us too much to leave us where we are. Because if we, maybe where we are is still pretty selfish. He wants us to grow beyond that. So knowing this, what should be my attitude? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The word fully there doesn't mean like one foot on each side, like you've got a half foot in, half foot out, waiting to go. No, fully there is the word "paricio," and it means not half-hearted. It means giving your whole heart Not just part of it, but saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to grow in this, in my life. I'm going to live my calling. I'm going to actually use my shape to serve others. It's wholehearted. Not in vain, it says, so that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That word there is "kanos" in Greek, and it means empty, useless, or without purpose. See, your work in serving the Lord increases your purpose. It's not empty. It's not in vain. It's not without purpose. It actually increases your purpose. You're living your purpose. You're living your calling. You walk in these five purposes that you see up behind me here, and you realize that you will be living your purpose. You'll be increasing it. You want meaning in your life? Start serving. Will you watch this video?
0: I'm Cecil Carthen, and this is my wife, Carolyn.
1: I came across Sun Grove video
2: pastor dave teaching on stay calm carry on and i thought it was awesome so i asked my husband if we would come and visit and he says yes let's do it and i have to say since we've been at sun grove we've really enjoyed the teaching of pastor dave
0: well we've enjoyed volunteering here at at sun grove church it's been really um fulfilling uh in in my life and it has really uh shown me how to you know, be humble and and just to know that you know what we're doing is pleasing to God and is you know and it's being helpful to others as well.
2: When we come to Sun Grove on every Thursday consistently, faithfully to, to serve. We would do whatever's needed, if it's folding bulletins, uh, cutting dollies, or uh, answering the telephone to pray with others. We count it all joy because it's unto the Lord. Right,
0: and so when I when we come in, um, I come in and I prepare the chair backs. You probably have noticed the wonderfully arranged chair backs. You know, so it's really, it's not, you know, it's not so important of the, you know, what we do, but that we are here, we're serving, and it is a joy in serving, you know. Um, it's, it's, you know, knowing that we are um, doing something that is essential. And also, you know, just... Um, the ministering to others, I think, that to be able to touch people, to be able to, you know, say a word of encouragement, and or just do something that will help someone along the way. That's there, There's a real joy in that, and not only that, but it's a character building um, exercise. You know, just just to know that you've made a difference in someone's life through your serving, and and you know, being the hands and the feet and in the, the mouth of Christ. You know, uh, someone said we may be the only Christ anyone might see. This current series, Live Your Calling, has been really an encouragement uh, to us. It's really um, enlightened us and has brought us closer to the Lord and also closer to the fellowship. And we understand that, you know, as uh, as a part of our calling, that we are, um, we're going to be blessed through our service, how we touch and uh, how we uh, provide and just serve serve others.
2: It's just wonderful to be in circles and get to meet new people and just share our thoughts and our ideas on, you know, what does it mean for us now, living our calling. And you know, one
0: of the things that, uh, to be Christ-like, and that's one of the things that's in the lesson, how, you know, Christ is our example, and He was a servant. He was a servant uh, leader. And he was uh, someone who would sacrifice themselves for others. He was—he's a good example of how we should serve. And that's one of the great things about this this series. It tells us more about Christ and how how we can be effective and how our—you know—how we can live out our calling.
2: And we believe here at Sun Grove, we're growing. So we're very happy to be a part of the travel here, <laughs> the journey. <laughs>
1: Isn't that awesome? So you can thank them. Uh, when you're stuffing your seat back in front of you is all nice and straight, that would be, uh, they do a lot, a lot of work around here. And it's just awesome coming in. Here's a retired couple. I come in on Thursdays and they're here. They'll cut out little things that your kids later on are going to be using. For the, they're serving the children's ministry and they're serving in here. And they do what, uh, just um, almost anything. They're just saying, we want to make a significant uh, contribution with our life. And just, it's, you know, for them, it's about half a day once a week and just a great thing they look forward to and increases the joy in their life. So let me give you number four. Serving others unselfishly will leave a legacy. Will leave a legacy. It's actually going to leave two. It's going to leave one on earth, but it also is going to leave one in heaven. That what we do here on earth has direct results that can happen in heaven. That sometimes people come to Christ, that because we've loved them, and it will have heavenly reward. So you're going to experience a legacy in heaven as well. You will be handsomely rewarded by God in heaven. We talked a few weeks ago about Heavenly reward and what that looks like. And what I want you to realize is Jesus at times talking to his disciples about what they will experience in heaven is almost like a captain talking to the rest of the pirates about all the loot that they will get. Like he's basically saying, we don't talk about that a whole lot in the church. We kind of lose this idea of rewards, but Jesus didn't. He talked more about reward in heaven than he did talking about like salvation itself. And so what you want to realize is God saying, Listen, I I will see it. I won't forget. You will be handsomely rewarded in heaven. Proverbs 10 verse 7 says, the name of the righteous is used in blessings, but the name of the wicked will rot. So what do you want to be remembered for? Will you be remembered for leaving a legacy? I mean, so often you go to a funeral, you ever been to a funeral where it's not a good person and everybody's like, they're trying to say some stuff, but most people are kind of rolling their eyes. And some people are like, I'm glad it's over. You know, like, they're, they're glad, right? That's not a comfortable funeral to be at. People are trying to make up excuses compared to somebody who was a blessing in their life. You go to a funeral, and you listen to people, and all they talk about, they, they, you know, they don't talk about, you had the greatest career, they had the most important, you know, role, or what, what they talk about is relationally, this is how that person blessed me. That's what's talked about. What kind of legacy do you want to leave at your funeral? Matthew 20, 26, Jesus speaking says, not so with you. He says, don't, in other words, he's talking about leadership. And he's saying, don't lead like the world. Don't lead like the Roman rulers. Don't lead like everybody else. He says differently, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So Jesus is saying the secret to greatness is through serving. Don't lord your rulership over everybody else like the world does. Those who are in Christ, we lead through serving. For every 500 books on leadership, there's one on serving. Which means 500 are missing a critical component. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. Some people think, by the way, you know, they think nobody's going to see my service. If I do something, like, nobody sees it. I want you to know that God does. He sees everything. He sees it. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. He's talking about the body of believers. Are we to help the whole world? Hey, There are legitimate needs in the whole world, but first we're to help the body of Christ. Beyond that, the body of Christ corporately lives and lives its purpose for the world. So indirectly we do, but we're to help the body of Christ first, is what Jesus says. And he says, he will not forget your work and your love. God sees it. And so Jesus then makes a promise in John 12, 26. He says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. God won't forget. God sees. He will reward the one who who serves. So if you want to leave a legacy, you've got to do it through serving. In our family, we call it a legacy. We want to leave a legacy. What do we want? The end of our time, we want, you know, however long God has us in relationship with you, God may move you off to somewhere else, but as long as God has us here, we want to be a blessing as we use our abilities to meet needs and to honor God. And, and I just want to encourage you that way. That I don't know what it is for you. You might call it something different, but, but that's what we would call it. And you want to leave a legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? God doesn't forget. What do you want God to remember you for? When it comes to him even doing uh, just some rewards in your life in heaven, what do you want to be remembered for? The greatest use of life is to invest it in the kind of things that will outlast it. The greatest thing in life is to invest your life in the very things that are going to outlast your life. So often we're investing our things that we're probably going to outlast if you go after stuff or things. Listen, there's no greater joy in life than understanding God gave his life for you to cancel out your sin so that you could have new life in him. If you've never received Jesus as Lord, then this would be your prime opportunity. This would be your moment. That this would be a chance where you could say god i never knew that you came from heaven to earth you laid aside all those comforts all that entitlement because you're god and you laid it all aside to come to earth to help me to meet my need to forgive me to cancel out my sin and now to offer me the gift that i could have a reward in heaven i could be in heaven with you with your heads bowed your eyes closed all around the room, just this is a moment, this is your opportunity, if you've never received Jesus, that maybe today you would like to give him your life. And that just means you talk to him through prayer. So right where you're seated, in your chair, you just, in your heart, you pray something like what I'm going to pray, you just pray it right after me to God. He hears you, he does not forget you, he will listen to you, but you pray something like this, if that's you today, Jesus, today I give you me. I ask you to come into my heart, make me a new creation on the inside. I believe you left heaven, that you came to earth, that you died on the cross because of my sin, that you were buried and you rose to new life because you are God. Forgive me of all my sin. Make me as white as snow because today, Jesus, I give you me. Right now, anywhere around the room, if you prayed that prayer, will you raise your hand? Awesome. Right here on the end, right here in the front row. Greatest decision you guys could ever make. Over there on the side. Anywhere else? Keep your hand up right there in the middle. Awesome. Anywhere else? Maybe I'm, I got lights in my eyes, so I'm looking. Right there in the back. Awesome. I see your hand. You're waving at me. Over there in the back. Awesome. Anywhere else? Today is that day. Let me pray for you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ already, let me pray for you as well. God, I want to thank you right now for these people that you have loved and lavished your love on so much that you would draw them here today, that they would be able to respond by your Holy Spirit to relationship with you. Would you give them new life? Would you wash them? Would you give them the chance and the confidence to walk anew? Would God, even right now, your Holy Spirit be imparting to them a spiritual gift that you have designed for them to use God, we're so grateful for that. We thank you. Lord, some of us in this room, we made a decision for you before, but we've sidelined ourselves, and we're not, we haven't been serving. So, God, would you open our eyes to the opportunity at hand? We love you, Lord. We thank you. We give it up for what you're doing. in among us, God, we just praise you. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Will you give that up? That's awesome. It's good stuff.
2: Thank
0: you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.